This episode is sponsored by Down to Earth Ice Teas. Our functional super teas are made from organic super herbs and adaptogens and contain no sugar, no preservatives, no food colorings, and range from only zero to 10 calories per bottle. Our beverages are USDA organic, kosher, vegan, non-GMO, and keto and paleo friendly. Finally, bottled beverages that you can truly trust. Check out drinkdowntoearth.com and use promo code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. Relationships aren't always easy and finding a partner can be extremely challenging. What is the secret formula for a successful partnership? Joining us today is one of the most acclaimed matchmakers and dating experts, Rory Sassoon. Rory is the co-founder of Platinum Pois, a New York-based matchmaking firm and is responsible for 35 marriages. Rory's expertise has led her work to be featured in top publications, including the New York Times, Manhattan Magazine, and Gotham Magazine. In addition to matchmaking, Rory also serves as the vice president on the board of the Propel Network, which gives women an opportunity for an education and a place in the workforce. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hi, Rory. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We're really excited to chat with you and pick your brain. How are you doing? I am good. I am so glad and excited. Now, you have a really fascinating background, and I'm curious what, you know, if you can talk a little bit about your journey and what led you to pursue the matchmaking business. Oh, you guys are going to really love this story because you couldn't make this shit up if you tried. (laughs) So, if I could take you guys back, I am 47 years young. And I married my first husband when I was 22. Then I ended up being married to my husband until I was 25. I got divorced at 25 with a child. So right now my son is 24. And it's funny because my parents always told me, you know, your ex-husband at the time, who was my boyfriend, right? Said, really a great guy, a nice guy, but just not, not, not for you. And I always used to think that my parents were being like superficial about that because He didn't come from a similar background as far as financial. We were of the same culture. We have the same friend group and stuff like that. But I just felt like my parents were being superficial. And I felt like, you know, at the end of the day, money comes and goes and money or an object is never going to love you back. It's always going to be like about the chemistry and, and, and all the things that, you know, make two people excited to be with each other. So we got married. It didn't work out. We parted, you know, amicably and we we are still friends till this day, which is great. So fast forward, here I am divorced, 25 years old with a child. And I ended up going to my gynecologist's office for a checkup. And my gynecologist said to me, you know, I'm so surprised. Like, don't you want to like have more kids? You know, your son is already three and a half, four going to be. And I'm like, no, I think that would not be a good idea right now being the fact that I'm going through a divorce. And he's like, what? What do you mean? 
what happened? I'm like, you have like a whole bunch of patients out there. Like, this is a story like for a different time. And he's like, no, I really want to, I want to understand. And you're very young. You know, I know you for a long time. Like what went wrong? I told him really just not a good fit. You know, at the end of the day, really didn't get into major detail. Just wasn't a good fit. Didn't want to ever bad mouth somebody who's still the father of my child. Right. So he said to me at the end of the conversation, he goes, look, I want to tell you something and I don't want you to be offended. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this guy going to tell me? <laughs> my whole examination, like, am I deformed? What's wrong with me? You know, everything's going through your mind of like, what the hell? And he was like, I have a really great guy. Now, I don't know if this is the time, but I have a really great guy that I want to set you up with. And even though I declined and said, thank you so much, but this is just like not the right time for me. He didn't let up because about a couple of months later, he reached out to me at my home. And I'm thinking to myself, why is my gynecologist calling me? Like, do I have an irregular pap smear? Do I have cancer? What the hell is wrong with me? And he said, listen to me. I just want to know if you, re- if you are ready now, because I really have somebody in mind who I had in mind for you the day that I saw you in my office. I said, okay. So my point is, is that this is the person that I'm married to now. It's my second husband. And my gynecologist said to me, you know, next Thursday, be home at nine o'clock. He's my friend. He's going to call you. Now, I had a million questions, but I was embarrassed a little bit mm-hmm. to be like, who's this guy? How old is he? What's his story? What's his, how many kids does he have? Like, you know, I didn't, my gynecologist was like 20 years older than me. Uh, it's his friend. You know, you're saying to yourself, what's going on here? And the funniest thing was I was always very, like people, everyone has their thing. You know, I was like very tall, very good looking men. I like them to be even better looking than I am. Not to say that I'm a model, far from it. But it was just, it made me feel better about myself. Whenever I had like, you know, men always feel like they want such a beautiful woman on their arm. Yeah. I was the same exact way. I was super shallow in that way. I didn't, so I was embarrassed to ask any superficial question. And you know what, guys? I'm really glad that I was embarrassed to do that. Because here my husband, my, my date who became my husband shows up very well-dressed, very impeccable. We actually spoke on the phone for a few hours before the first date, which was amazing. That's what people need to do these days. They need to actually talk to each other to see if there's even worth wasting our time going out for a drink or for dinner or whatever. So we ended up going on a date. The date lasted four and a half hours, had an amazing time. And when my husband showed up, he was, like I said, he was very well-dressed, but he wasn't tall. And he was a good-looking man, but he wasn't like oh my God, drop dead. I can't breathe. He's magnificent. Like it wasn't that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, you know, but we had so much chemistry and it was like the conversation was intelligent and there was so much more than just what you see for face value. Mm -hmm. So I learned a very important lesson at a very young age. And I'm so glad that I did because I probably would have chased the same guy. Like my ex-husband was very like Andy Garcia, very handsome. You would look at him, you would notice him. My own grandmother had a crush on him. It was great. You know, who's not normal, you know? <laughs> and it just showed me, like I said, I've evolved as a person. I ended up to be more mature. We ended up getting married. He had three kids from his first marriage. I had one together. We have two more. So it was kind of like a modern day Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And just to let you know, I was home for a bunch of years, 12 years, having children, raising children, being the soccer mom, if you will. And about like 12 years into the marriage, my husband's like, honey, I think you need to do something with your life. Meaning, AKA, you're home spending too much money and like getting involved in trauma. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're right. Right? Like he was like, you're, he used to see her to be nice and say, you're too smart and too dynamic to be home. So I ended up seeking out a life coach and his name is Dr. Gluck. He's my business partner now. 
And it's funny because when I went to him, he's like, let's see like what your skill set is. You know, what are you into? And I used, I graduated, went to the fashion, fashion Institute of Technology. I was always involved in the fashion business, but I love people and I love relationships. And I love that whole, I love connecting people. So whether it's for connecting them for love or anything else, it's just something that comes natural to me. And I love doing that. So he actually offered me an opportunity to create a matchmaking service. He's like, in New York City, if we could create something that's really, I don't like to use the word elite, but it is, it's a different caliber, meaning it's men and women who are successful in their field, whatever it is that they're doing in their life. And they really don't have the time or the skill set to find the right partner. And that's where we come in. So it really is like a lifestyle. What we're putting together, we're matching families, creating dynasties, like that's what we're trying to do. And I loved, fell in love with the idea, ran with the idea. It's eight years later. We've dealt with over 1,200 clients in general. And listen, we don't really work with every person. Like it's not an app where it's like, oh my God, you would have 1,200 people in what? In a few months? So every match is really, and we'll get into that whenever you're ready to hear about that. But that's really how I ended up doing what I'm doing. I pay it forward to people all the time. I know how hard it is to be, coming out of a relationship that might not be the best, learning your lessons. And really at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't want to be lonely. You want to be with a partner. That's amazing. That's such a fascinating story. And it is amazing how everything happens for a reason and how by chance you ended up meeting this incredible partner that you're married to and you guys have a successful marriage. So it's really great to hear that story and that you've been able to follow your passion and really build a career out of it. And I would love to learn more about Platinum Pla. Is that how you pronounce it? are perfect. Oh my goodness. I'd love to learn more about it and what you look for in candidates because, you know, obviously it's different than a dating app. It's exclusive. You guys have a really good venting process where you see who you actually do want to work with and who's serious about finding love. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how the process works. I would tell you that a lot of times word of mouth is a huge, huge, huge thing for us. It started that way, like anything else, right? You start in your own backyard, you start putting it out there, what you're doing, telling people, I'm a very good networker and I've always had a great personal network. So I started from there and then it started to really expand where it was worth it for me to hire a publicist. And it became so much more than just the matchmaking because we consult people on the daily. Like, what are you doing right in a relationship? What are you doing wrong? How do you make it better for the next opportunity? So if I was to take you through how the process works, I normally start with a consultation. So let's say somebody found me from Cosmopolitan Magazine or being on television. I've done a ton of TV, the Today Show and The Day New York and The Real Housewives of New York. So I definitely have gotten myself, my exposure has expanded tremendously, especially in the New York area, because that's where we're based, right? So normally a person would send a bio and a photo to our inquiries at platinumplot.com. We would go through it. We would see what the person is all about, what they look like, because we always want to deal, our model is to deal with healthy inside and healthy outside for a healthy relationship. So that's what the brand is really about. So let's say here you are, you know, Jesse, my assistant would speak with you know, the potential client, kind of get the financial part out of the way, see if that would work for them. And then once we get the okay, we set up a consultation, we meet with that person. It's about an hour because I like them to come to the office. So I want to feel the energy of the person, let them meet me, let them meet the people that work for me, let them meet my partner. And if we speak about all the things that they're looking for in a partner, and a lot of times for me, it's about the expectation. I want to under-promise and over-deliver. A lot of matchmaking services will 
they'll tell you, oh, I'm going to give you six dates in six months, and this is what you're having. So it's kind of like throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. But at the end of the day, like, what happens if it's the seventh person that's going to be the person that's meant for you? Can't put a number on something like that. So this way, we have an open-ended policy that way. When you pay for the service, it's an unlimited amount of dates for an unlimited amount of time until you are successfully matched, which means you're in a successful relationship exclusively for six months or more. That's how we determine success. And once the person's like, okay, I really understand. I really like this. I want to move forward. We have a second appointment, which is with my partner, Dr. Gluck, who does a whole personality profile. So he can look into your eyes. You don't have to say one word. He can tell you all about you, about the kind of person that you are and the kind of person that would complement who you are in a future relationship to be the best version of yourself, which is why people always say like, that's our secret sauce as opposed to other companies. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like that definitely is something very unique because usually you'll just go on a bunch of different dates, but there isn't necessarily any extra depth or reasoning behind it. So the fact that you guys do have that profiling factor to it, I think definitely could add to a successful placement and relationship. Exactly. You know, people don't want to waste their time. Like there's, my clients are so busy in their own life. It's like, they're setting me up with someone, let it make sense on paper. Absolutely. Now we know, even like you said, everyone has their type and what they like on paper. And it's really common to sometimes be attracted to someone or even falling in love with someone who's the complete opposite from your type. But I think that the struggle is actually getting there and actually going out with someone who may not look like you would typically date or just any, like their background, like you were saying. So what advice do you have for someone who's keen on only dating someone that's their type? You know what? You better get out of that box because at the end of the day, like, isn't it so much more fun to be pleasantly surprised? Like we don't know it all. We don't. And if we're single for a long time, and a lot of times I come across people that are like, what do you mean? He's so amazing or she's so incredible. Or she's so beautiful and successful and sweet. Why is she single? Why is he single? They all want to know. But sometimes you can't get out of your own way. You're too in your own head and you don't want to listen to anybody else. So that's something that in the consultation, I could already tell if someone is going to be like argumentative, they're going to be difficult with me. Imagine like they don't want to listen or I have women that come in and they're 45 and they're like, you know what? I only want to date someone that's 40. So like 50, I'm like, you're out of your minds. Like, are you kidding me? First of all, I know people get a little bit crazy when women say it's a man's world. And what do I mean by that? Yes, women could do everything also, but you have to know yourself. Meaning, are you the kind of woman that's going to ask a man out on a date? If you are, then you know what? That's great. Good for you. But I know most of the women, myself included, when I was dating, I was not doing that. I wanted the man to be a man especially when women get stuck in a certain rut, in a certain mindset, and they don't want to change, it's very difficult to work with them. Now, I did want to ask you, what do you think, especially with our culture right now, you see a lot of women who can be a little bit more assertive and ask men on dates. What are your personal thoughts on that? Listen, I think that if you have the confidence and you feel like nothing to lose, right? No harm, no foul. And you're okay emotionally if you feel like shot down or rejected and you can deal with that, then good for you. Obviously you have a really thick skin and you can deal with that. It's personally not my way. How important is communication, especially if you're going like on a first, second date with someone you just met, how important is it to communicate what you see for your future? Communication to me guys is key. Without communication, there's nowhere to go. 
Like there's nowhere to go from there. And everybody has, you know, I repeat this over and over. Communication is key in the sense where I need to understand your language. How do you communicate? Are you the kind of person, if, if something happens, do I withdraw? Or am I the kind of person that really needs to get it out because then I'm going to resent you? And I know for myself that you need to be honest with that. It's like, you ever hear of the book, The Five Love Languages? Yes. Okay. That is, I think every person needs to read that book because you need to identify your language and make sure that it's similar to the person that you're dating because it's your form of communication. If you know that you're a very affectionate person, but your partner, not so much. He rather you tell him how great he is morning, noon, and night, but you need to be hugged and kissed and touched and loved. You know, that's different. Like you want to be able to get what you need from that partner. And if you can't communicate that, listen, nobody's a carbon copy. But if you can't communicate that, you're going to have issues later on in life because in the beginning of a relationship, it always is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be excited and it's new and the chemistry and it's amazing and the sex and everything is just like, oh my God, off the charts. But if you can't communicate and explain how the other person's feeling, especially if you feel like you have to walk on eggshells with the person, with like you're afraid to say certain things or you really decide you'd rather omit certain things because how they're going to react, you have a major problem on your hands. Definitely. And I think also with communication, I'm curious to know a little bit about what you think about maybe being a little bit too open in the beginning of a relationship as well. Because I've gone on dates before where I'm all about honesty and being open, but somebody might share a little bit too much from the beginning as well. What's your take on that? Do you think it's good to just lay it all out there or is it good to let it come in stages? I think to be emotionally slutty, as I call it, is not a good thing. I think that first of all, also like as a man, so you tell me, and I feel the same way as a woman, okay? Now, I love the fact that I love mystery, a little bit of mystery. Like, let's keep the conversation flowing. Let's get to learn about each other. You don't need to divulge everything on the first date. And also, nobody wants to hear anything negative. We want it to be positive and light and really have a good time. Enjoy that person's sense of humor. See how they banter back and forth with you. So to get too heavy too quickly is a big turnoff. It's a big no-no. Yeah, I agree. I've been in those kinds of situations, and I think that that comes with time. I think that the longer the relationship goes, of course, you open up about more and more things and emotions and maybe things from the past, but you do want to keep the mystery alive throughout the relationship, but definitely in the beginning for sure. Also, you need a good balance of what you're sharing. You don't need to overshare. I totally agree. Now I'm curious what you think. So let's say you got on a first date and you're like kind of feeling it, but there's just something a little bit off. You may not be as physically attracted to the person. Would you recommend that you give them another chance, go out on another second date? So that's a great question because I get that question a lot, meaning they had a great time, the conversation was flowing, they could talk forever, but they were not sure that they really, not to be you know, too graphic, but they, they, they weren't sure if they wanted to rip their clothes off. They weren't like so excited you know, about the way the person looked. And I would give them the advice to say, listen, if the conversation was great and you really enjoyed this person's company and the time went by because you were able to really connect and communicate on an emotional level, sometimes give that a minute to really see the person because they become funnier. Well, you know what? There's a sense of humor. Well, you know, they're sexier to me now. So I would definitely give it a chance. What do you have to lose? You never know. Yeah. And a lot of people have this dream of love at first sight and you know, right away, you know, the first moment that you see the person. And I think that sometimes that sets people up for failure because they expect this to be the only way to meet someone. But I've heard of so many successful relationships where it took many dates. I mean, even my parents, they dated, they broke up, they dated again, and it took time for them to develop that incredible chemistry that they now have. It's not necessarily always instantaneous. 
Exactly. I mean, I totally feel that way. I think that that's why you need to give yourself a chance. And like I said, I would not just discard someone because you're not sure. If you're not sure, go until, listen, I always tell everyone, when you kiss the person, you're going to know. It's either good or it's not good. It's not great. It's black or it's white. Definitely. And something else that I see a lot is people, of course, nowadays, I'd say more than ever with social media and reality TV and all these things out there, they have this incredibly long list of expectations that they see for their partner, you know, obviously looks, income, lifestyle, all these different things that they want their partner to have. And sometimes they might write somebody off if they don't meet that entire checklist. If one of your clients is, let's say, a little bit conflicted about whether or not to go on a date with somebody because that person doesn't check all the boxes, what would your advice to that be? I would say, listen, especially if I was to talk, if, if I'm talking to a woman or am I talking to a man? Because oh, I'll tie it. Sorry, it's actually about both. Okay. So from a female point of view, I'm like, he wants to meet you. He saw your photo and he read your bio and he was really enchanted. What do you have to lose? So isn't it better to give this person a chance on a Thursday night or a Saturday night than to be with your girlfriends? Like, If you really want to meet someone, it's like anything else. You really want to meet them and you're going to put your best foot forward and that's going to be your priority. So that's what I would tell a woman. And a man, sometimes if they're like, oh, you know, whatever, she's not the blonde hair, blue eyed goddess that I'm looking for. And I would say, you know what? At the end of the day, you have to be able to give yourself the chance. It doesn't really matter what is going on. You just have to, why be, it didn't work for you before. Maybe you should try something else. Yeah, that's true. I like that advice. Now, we often see couples will be dating for maybe a year, two years, and they're just like moving on to the next step as a relationship should, in their eyes, be moving. But how do you really know if you and your partner are actually a good match? I'd say that I'll tell you why. You know, people say they know, they just know, Mm -hmm. because the relationship really is effortless. There's an unspoken understanding that you feel. And you know what? A couple who really is in a good place rarely argues And if they do argue, they're able to nip it in the bud. Meaning, I love you so much that I don't want to feel like I'm not in a good place with you. I don't want to feel like I'm distant from you. Those are two people that are not looking to fight and looking to obviously go the distance because in marriage and life and kids and all the things, all the curveballs that life throws us, if we can't be partners in that way and have respect for each other because we love each other, we don't want to hurt each other. You know, I've been in relationships and I'm sure you guys can understand this. I'm sure the same where it's like, you know what? It's just, everything is so difficult. I'm exhausted from this person. Trust me. That is God telling you no bueno. This is not for you. That's good advice. And that definitely all makes sense. And something else that we hear a lot is somebody complaining that their partner doesn't have a lot in common with them. We're just so different and we don't like the same things. And so I'm curious if it really is important to have a lot of common interests or have you seen successful relationships where people don't have many common interests, they're very different from one another, but they're able to explore each other's activities that they enjoy and sort of find common ground. I love your questions. You guys really are like (laughs) giving me great questions and they're smart actually, because these are things that people do want to know and they should know. It's funny because me and my husband, I can use that as an example, we are opposite But opposite meaning I'm more outspoken, I'm more impulsive, he'll think about it, he'll process it, that's his personality. But our value system is exactly the same. And we do enjoy, like my husband's a big skier. Like I love to sit on a beach and go to St. Bart's. Like I like to enjoy myself it that way. But you know what? We really compromise that way. We actually synchronize because relaxing on a beach, not that it's a sport, but he does love to enjoy that also. He works so hard during the year that he enjoys that. But 
when he wanted to take me to Aspen and to go skiing and stuff like that, even though I tried a million times and I was like, you know what? I don't love it, but I know that he does. So a couple of things happened. First of all, I would go and I would enjoy. It's not like he's taking me somewhere so horrible. You know, you get there's other things to do besides ski. So I would be there for him, meet him for lunch and, and be on that trip with him and enjoy it. You know, it's not every day that we're doing that. And, you know, if he wants to even go like on a boy's trip, like with his friends, I'm cool with that too. Like I have no reason to not trust my husband. He travels all the time. And at the end of the day, I tell people if someone's going to be unfaithful, they're going to do it around the corner or they're going to do it in wherever, in Asia. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go that far. So I think that opposites attract at the end of the day, but then they destroy each other. Meaning when you're opposite with your value system and the way that you're going to, especially let's say a young couple that's going to have a family and build a foundation. If you guys are really on different pages, you're on different planets as far as I'm concerned. That is not a healthy way to start a relationship and to bring up children. Absolutely. What's your sign, by the way? Sagittarius. Mm, okay. I don't know. I had a feeling you were in Aries a little bit, but... <laughs> husband's in Aries, by the way. Why? It's funny. Your husband's in Aries? Husband, yeah. And it's funny because when I got divorced, I got very into horoscopes and very into like my sign and who should I be with? And, and my ex-husband was Pisces, mm. okay, which is not a good match for a Sagittarius. It's opposite from Aries too. It's right. Mm-hmm. So my, like Aries is much more of a leader. They're more like very sure of themselves. There's the quiet confidence they possess. And by the way, Sagittarius and Aries are both fire signs. So, you know, a Pisces, <laughs> and usually water tries to put out fire. Yeah, totally. I'm an Aries and I've dated a Pisces and it didn't work out. <laughs> you need a Sagittarius man. I do. I do. Do you have any tips? Because obviously a relationship, like we said, can be really exciting in the beginning, but as the relationship progresses years and years later, keeping that romance and excitement alive can be tough. So do you have any tips on how to do that? I know this sounds like cliche, but I really feel like reinventing, you know, people reinvent themselves. They should reinvent their relationship. And what do I mean by that? It's always great to be communicating and talking about setting goals for the relationship. There's different phases. And you know what? Sometimes people, they mask, like they say, sometimes like building a house or adding an extension or constantly going and doing things masks the problems that are really like lying underneath. I think that when you can really be with your partner, going out for dinner alone, doing things that are just like mellow, enjoying the person's company, like on Saturdays for us, you know, because we are normally home, like on Saturdays, my husband and I and my family, we really are, it's not like you're forced, but you are like to be, there's no shopping, there's no outside anything. It's more of like a Shabbat environment. And I really feel that that has done wonders for our relationship because we actually really have the time to really stop and talk to each other as a family and then as a couple. So I think those boundaries really kind of force you to really get to know each other in a different way without all of the interruptions of life. And I think that setting up goals as a couple, what you want to accomplish, whether it's, you know, it could be anything or anything from a vacation to like an experience, but that keeps it exciting. You know, you don't want to get bored in your relationship. It is like the kiss of death. Yeah, for sure. And I think that having that day, I mean, like a Shabbat where you do have that intimate time as a family to connect and communicate and have that bonding experience is super important. And something that I think we've all seen a lot are people that may have been in a marriage for a very long time. And obviously with time, we all 
not necessarily change, but we grow in our interests, maybe develop and change a little bit. And a lot of times we do see two people that are obviously much different than they were on the day that they got married, but they choose to stay married because they either have the fear of the unknown or they don't want to be alone, or they think that it's you know, better for their family to stay together. And so I'm curious what advice you'd have for, let's say, a woman who has been married for a long time and isn't fully satisfied in her relationship, but she's not sure what the right course of action to take. There we go back to the same problem that we spoke about from the beginning, yeah. where you need to be able to communicate to your partner that you are unsatisfied in this relationship. And what can we do to fix this? Because I will tell you something, a lot of women approach me and where divorce in their communities are not so prevalent. And I would say, what is the reason why you're unhappy? Like, explain to me. And obviously, if it's something serious where the person can't get out of bed every day because they feel so beaten down, because they were humiliated in their relationship, because the person really is abusive. Like, to me, out and out and out. Like, try to get the help, but there's no excuse for that. Nobody needs to be mistreated. But if the situation is, oh, you know, I'm a little bored, or there's nothing exciting happening, or, you know, I really, like, a lot of women sometimes have a career later on in their life, and their husband is just not, they're out in the real world, let's say, and their husband's just not that exciting because they're meeting, who knows, maybe they're in finance, maybe they're in business, and they're meeting men that are exciting them. And it's just like that, that, you know, listen, men go through the same thing. That's why they have a midlife crisis. That's why they have, they fall in love with the secretary or whoever. Women are no different. They're just a little more afraid, I think, to really take the push because it depends who the breadwinner is in the situation, in the family. When a woman is not the breadwinner and she's married to a man who is the breadwinner and let's say they have a certain status from where in their community of where they live, they might be a little afraid to rock the boat. And I've seen that, you know, a lot. So I always tell people, make sure the problem is really something you can't solve if you're going to like leave because you're trading in one set of problems for another set of problems. So just make sure that whatever you're doing is really worth upsetting the whole family dynamic. Yeah, definitely. And we also see that a lot now in the dating culture, especially with millennials, especially particularly with dating apps where it's like, oh, well, you don't like this part, the way, you know, his hair looks, swipe left and move on. And I think that kind of, leads us into adulthood and how we address relationships. And another thing I see with the millennial generation is that people are having trouble settling down and lasting in committed relationships. So what are some of your tips for millennials that don't fall into this category and are looking for a more serious relationship? I think that that's why, depending on where you're looking, what ponds are you fishing in, apps sometimes really are, it is a very big hookup culture. That's why I always tell people, I was like, you know what, really sometimes going to an event, meaning there's so many different charity organizations that support many different causes. And I think that when you're going to something like that, your, your pond is a little bit, well, first of all, you know, if let's say I'm interested in IDF, or I'm interested in Crohn's and colitis, whatever the charity is, I, it's not, it doesn't matter. But either that person is either passionate about that, so already we have something in common. It also is a ticket, so it costs money to go there. So you know that you're meeting someone, hopefully, of substance, right, of some kind of certain caliber. And I think that it's okay to be honest. This is where, in the beginning, when you are going on a date with someone, to talk about, you know, I'm in a point in my life that I really am looking to be honest and share my life with someone if it's the right person. I'm not looking to for a one night stand. That's not what I'm looking for. So if you can put that out there in a very smooth way, I think that goes a long way. 
because you're being honest without being too, like you said, like oversharing and being like, Hey, I want to get married tomorrow. Yeah. But the expectations are still there. So you can kind of navigate if that's the right person for you or not. Exactly. Now you mentioned the hookup culture, which we all know very well. And me and my friends always talk about this. And is there a certain amount of dates that you think a girl should wait before she sleeps with a guy, but if she's actually serious about the relationship? This is one of my favorite answers and I give it every time. And I'm just always so consistent about it because I really do believe it. So I tell women all the time, no matter how young you are, or old you are, whatever you want to say, you could have been married, divorced 10 times. It doesn't matter or never married. I know I'm the kind of woman that would like a phone call in the morning. If you know that you're that person, before you get intimate with someone, I think a discussion needs to be had. Meaning, I'm letting you know that in this situation, I'm only seeing you. I'm going to be intimate with you. And that's not my personality. I'm not just sleeping around. So if that's happening and that's going to happen, that's why I think it should be a conversation a little bit before. And I know that things sometimes you don't want to be like not romantic and just like blurt it out. But listen, I think that if you know it's going there, listen, you can have a conversation and this way the person also respects your boundaries. And if this, is, if this guy really, you know, is going to be here today, gone tomorrow, wouldn't you rather know that before you get all emotionally deep and connected and feel like, oh my God, this is the love of my life and the sex is great? And then what? You're not happy. So it all comes back to honesty. Just being open and honest is super important. Right. And communication is key. That is like my number one piece of advice for any one man or woman in any relationship. Definitely. And something else that I'm curious to get your take on is we see a lot, not only in the millennial culture, but just in modern times, let's say somebody will be dating for a few months and they choose to move in together. It's very common in New York because, you know, obviously with real estate, the way it is, you know, a lot of couples will maybe move in together a little bit, in my opinion, too soon. What's your take on that? Do you think it's healthy to sort of see how you live together um, so early on or do you think first establish a very committed relationship before you get there? I think that's why, like, it's funny. I was saying this to my assistant who when she started working for me four years, she lived with her boyfriend. She they were dating for a long time, for four years. And she was now like, he cheated on her. That's it. She was out of the apartment. I mean, terrible. I said to her, do me a favor the next time around when you have a serious relationship, unless there's a ring on your finger and you're really planning a life together, if that's what you want, because not everybody wants that, but if that's what you want, then, I mean, listen, I personally don't want to live with someone until I'm married to them, but that's my traditional value system and that's me. But I gave her the advice and now she said to me, she goes, you know what, Roy, she ended up finding someone who she's been dating. And she said, you know what, I'm dating him for a full year before, forget engaged, she goes, before I move in and get engaged. So she said, I learned my lesson from before, thanks to you. Like I have like a fairy godmother who's constantly telling me, don't make that mistake again. And she was like, you know, Rory, he ended up respecting me. And now I said to her, so now July is a year. If the relationship can go the distance, then in that point, that's when you can move in together. A lot of times people do it because like you said, in New York, it's an expensive city. They feel like, oh, you know, my lease is up. We're dating. Let's just move in together. They're not looking at like the consequences. Definitely. Yeah. And we do see it a ton in New York. And that's a very common reason why somebody will justify moving in with their partner. And, you know, something that we see a lot, and it goes along with what we're talking about is 
people feel the need to sort of be like a yes man and try to cater to their partner's needs. And, you know, they might not feel ready to move in with someone, but if somebody asks them, they don't want to take a swipe at their ego and say no. And so I think that we see a very common issue comes down to trying to sort of be a little bit too pleasing as well. And sometimes it is important to sort of stay true to your values, to your ground, to the things that you want. And that other person will respect you even more as a result of that. Like you shouldn't be a chameleon. If that's who you are, that's who you are. Don't let someone sway you. Because let me tell you something. I always tell this to everyone. Like, trust your gut. Like, if that's your value system, don't let someone else sway you. Because nine out of ten times, it's really not going to be the right move. I totally agree with you. And I also want to get your take on commitment phobia because we see a lot of people that have maybe had some negative dating experiences in the past and that traumatized them. And as a result of that, they have commitment phobia. And then there's just people who just their genetic makeup and the way that they've been raised throughout the years leads them to having a little bit of that fear of committing and and taking a relationship to the next level. What do you think is some good tips to help somebody navigate dating if they do have that internal commitment phobia? I also come across this very often. And a lot of times it is men. (laughs) Sorry. Guilty. Um, (laughs) But I have to say, maybe you need to also look inside yourself and see why you feel that way. Why is it that I can't commit? How hurt was I from the previous person? Maybe I was so madly in love that this person really blindsided me. Whether I was cheated on, whether the person just said, oh, you know, this is not for me. And you were crushed because that can happen and you're afraid to really feel that pain again. That's why people are commitment phobic. But if you want to help yourself, it's like anything else. It's like getting into a car and getting into an accident. If you never get back into that driver's seat, then you know what? You're not going anywhere. It's the same thing in a relationship. If you want to be in a healthy, happy relationship, listen, everybody needs a different level of help. You know, sometimes people can overcome it on their own, which is amazing, but don't be afraid to look for help and speak to somebody about that because you probably, nine out of 10 times, I'm sure you can overcome it if you want to. A lot of times people use this as an excuse. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. Do you have any top tips for single women or single men in the dating world right now? Yes. I would tell you one of my top tips is be yourself. Be positive. Be happy. Be light. We're in such a crazy time right now where it's so hard for everybody to like be negative. At the end of the day, being positive is only going to make you shine more. People want to be around people who are happy. Listen, happy always attracts happy. Nobody wants to be with a Debbie Downer. So that would be my number one tip, okay? And also number two, like your expectations, whatever you want to date, you should be that person. You know, I tell this to everybody, if you want someone educated, be educated. If you want someone who is dealt with their past baggage, you deal with your past baggage. If you want someone who's in great shape, you be in great shape. That's why I'm saying be the person you want to date. Definitely. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I think there's this concept where we see sometimes people are like relationship daters and they jump from one relationship to the next, but you really need to learn how to love yourself and be a reflection of who you want to attract. And you brought that up because I always say you have to love yourself first before you can love anyone else. If you're not good to you, how are you going to be good to that other person? If you want to be a great partner, if you want to be a great mother, You have to really take time for yourself. I don't care whatever it is. Everybody needs something else. Definitely. And that's why I think a big part of loving yourself is also understanding that things might happen for you at a different age than for other people. I feel like, especially for women, something that I've seen with friends of mine and just in our culture and cultures around us is sort of this rush. Like somebody feels that they need to be married by a certain age and have kids by a certain age. And because everyone else is engaged, they feel like they need to be engaged. And that leaves them feeling negative and insecure and really 
doesn't allow them to enjoy the dating process and the process of self-discovery. So I just think that understanding timing is important as well. I also wanted to speak to you a little bit about first dates because a typical first date for me would be taking somebody out to dinner. But something that we see a lot now are sort of these more casual, quick dates, like a coffee date or you know, grabbing a drink with someone. And so I'm curious what your take is on sort of like an ideal first date. I'm a very big believer in I love a dinner date. I think that if you're making the investment to get to meet someone and get to know them, take them for dinner. Like, why can't you spend what's the extra hour going to kill a person? You know, if it's good, it's good. And if it, and you don't want to maybe have a second date. And if it's not, it was an evening out. Big deal. As a woman, I would want to be taken out. I want to meet the person. I want to enjoy the person. I don't want to feel like, okay, well, you know what? I have a drink at eight o'clock. Now, it wasn't a good date. So he has a drink at nine o'clock with someone else. Nobody wants to feel like that. This is not a job interview. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And we see that a lot, especially in New York, where there's a, just that hustle and bustle. You just like put someone in your schedule for an hour. But I do think it's important to get to know a person. And you're also the author of the book, The Art of the Date. So what inspired you to write this book? It's so funny because when I started my business, I've always felt like once the business got going and I was like constantly consulting and counseling all these people, I'm like, told my partner one day, we have to write a book. There's so much information that people don't know. And if you can't afford to use the service, why can't you be privy to our, the way that we coach people and our opinion and how we feel about this culture? Like, it's so important. People need to know. And you know, it's so hard. It's hard for people who have been in relationships, married or whatever, for 20 years or 10 years or 30 years. And now here they are getting back into the dating game. They never thought they'd have to deal with this again. It's a whole new dating world today. You guys know that. I mean, I really know that, but you guys are much younger than me. Absolutely. And we encourage anyone listening to pick up a copy and it's available on Amazon as well, right? Thank you. Awesome. Now, another question for you, especially now that we're slowly getting out of quarantine, but long distance relationships, someone moves and finds a job elsewhere, or you meet someone online or through a dating service. What's your advice on how people can navigate long distance relationships? So it's a great question that you asked me because I was also posed with that question in my business since people meet in person, facilitate dates where people can meet in person. But we said, what are we going to do? It's Corona. People can't meet. How's this business going to pivot? So I've been approached so many times to go digital and was always against it because I said, they're not going to get the same handholding, love, consulting that we really give out clients. So what do we do? We decided to create a division of Plan and Plot called the Pair Club. And the pair club is a lot less expensive. It's $500 for six introductions and it's for three months. So it's about two introductions a month. It's not the platinum level, which that's a whole different dating pool. But at this point, I can make those introductions. I'm vetting each person, but I can make the introduction. I can see them via FaceTime and people were dating via FaceTime. Because if they, if they decided they wanted to meet in the park or wherever it is that they were living, that's cool. Like you can do that. But I needed to think of a way for people to feel like they weren't lonely, that they had an option and the option wasn't going to be so expensive. And at least there's accountability. So that was the silver lining in this for our business. Yeah. And that sounds like a great addition to your business and like a great service. Because the issue nowadays is the popularity of dating apps just completely disrupted the dating world in a really negative way. And it leaves people viewing dating in the completely wrong context. And so I think having a service like that, where it's not just somebody random whose profile you're seeing, it's somebody who's been interviewed and who has sort of like references. And, you know, there's somebody who could account for the person that they are makes it a lot more safe, obviously, but also effective. 
Right. Exactly. I mean, that was the whole point. And I'm glad that we were able to actually make a lot of matches. And, you know, some really are still surviving and thriving, as I like to say, which is a great thing. And, you know, we say, listen, a relationship that starts in quarantine, look what happened to Rapunzel. She found her love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you could make it through quarantine as a couple, I think you could make it through anything. (laughs) I know. Totally agreed on that. For sure. Now, obviously, you're incredibly successful professionally, but you also have an amazing personal life and just a great outlook on life. And so a question that I'd love to ask you is if you could give any sort of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would that advice be? The advice I would give to my 20-year-old self, like I think I started telling you guys in the beginning when I was telling you my story as I was in my 20s, and I didn't understand the word consequence. I wish I would have listened to people who were older than me, more experienced than me, smarter than me, and who people who really loved me. And I had no fear. I was like, fly now, pay later, who cares? But I have to say, it would have saved me a lot of heartache if I would have. Sometimes, you know, as, as being in our 20s, we want to ask advice and we want to hear what they have to say, but I don't think we really want to hear it. We want to do it our way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny. My mom will give me advice. And if it's not the advice I want, I'll just argue with her. And then I don't take it. And I'm like, I should have taken her advice. So I think listening to our elders, they've gone through it. And I'd rather learn from their mistakes than my own. Exactly. And listen, we're all going to make mistakes and the seeds of success, like they say, are always planted in failure. But it was what was meant to be for me. And I thank God I was able to figure that out as I started dating my husband. And I was only in my mid-20s. And I realized that all those things that were important were not important anymore. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, another question we love to ask is if you could have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? This is going to sound very boring to you guys, but I would love to have tea. She's dead. (laughs) So if she's listening, would be Jackie Kennedy. Oh, that's a good one. You know, she was the first lady and she was always like so stylish and so beautiful and so elegant. But the question I would love to ask her would be, I remember I was so fascinated with the Kennedys. I've read so many books on them. And you would always hear how Jack, Jack Kennedy, her husband, was constantly, constantly cheating on her. It was Marilyn Monroe. It was this one. It was that one. And I know that where was she going? As people would say, she was the first lady. She had this position. But even before she was the first lady, and she, supposedly she really was in love with him. So that must hurt. So you say to yourself, like, how do you just stay in that kind of relationship? Was Did the money and the power and the status just mask all those problems? You know, I'm so curious because at the end of the day, she married Aristotle Onassis when her children were young. And that was yet, that didn't seem like this big love affair. It seemed like it was also more of like the security and the safety and the wealth. So at the end of the day, like, are you a person of real substance? I want to really know that. Or was the money and the fame and all that just so much more important to you? That's a really interesting question. I'd love to hear the answer to that as well. And we see that in today's day and age as well with a lot of celebrity couples and just in the business world, you see a lot of couples where you don't know what the person's intentions are for staying. And it would definitely be interesting to find out. I know. Well, I guess when I meet her one day in heaven, maybe I'll have tea with her. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Now, for anyone out there listening who wants to learn more about your work or connect with you or potentially become a member of all the different offerings that you have, where is the best place to get in touch with you? They can either follow me on Instagram at Rory, R-O-R-I, Sassoon, S-A-S-S-O-O-N. That's just my Instagram. Or my website is Platinum, P-L-A-T-I-N-U-M, P-O-I-R-E.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You gave us such 
incredible knowledge and wisdom that I know we'll definitely be applying into our personal dating lives. And I hope that everyone who listens to this will get a lot of great insight as well. Guys, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for joining us today on our episode with dating expert and matchmaker Rory Sassoon. Dating should be fun, but it can be challenging and frustrating to navigate. Rory shared such great wisdom and tips today on how to approach dating in today's society. Check out Rory's book, The Art of the Date, for more insight on how to have a more fulfilling dating life. As always, you can email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com, or you can get in touch on Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.